Welcome to Bridgeway. What an awesome opportunity we've had to worship God uh, and to hear beautiful music that continues to point us toward heaven above. Today we are ending our five-week series on the emotional part of all of us. The name of the series was Overwhelmed. And we went through the different ranges of emotions and the last one, spelling out the word range, is empathy. And we're gonna talk about empathy today. Next week is Christmas Sunday. Can you believe that? Wow, next week's Christmas Sunday. Well, I hope that you will join Amber and I as we're praying about our best uh, Christmas financial gift we can give to Bridgeway Community Church and the Kingdom of God to retrofit the campus here in Columbia, Maryland at Bridgeway Community Church. Uh, join us in prayer and next week we're gonna give our gift and we pray that you will give yours as well. I'm gonna open in just a word of prayer and then we're gonna get right into today's message on empathy. Let's pray together. Father, as we end our series on the different ranges of emotions, I pray that you would help us embrace the emotional part of us as we minister in Jesus's name. Amen and amen. Can you imagine if God did not have compassion for us? Can you imagine if God never felt empathy for you or me? Where would you be if his mercies were not new every morning? You know what Lamentations 3:22 and 23 say? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. God's compassions, God's mercy are new every morning. Is anybody happy about that today? I mean, you ought to pause and just praise God right now for his new mercies today because you used up all of yesterday's mercies, right? You used up everything that you were supposed to use up or everything you needed. But God says, that's all right, it's a new day and I'm gonna give you new mercies. Somebody thank God for that. And not only does the book of Lamentations tell us that God's compassion and mercy is new every morning, but also in the Old Testament, we find another scripture that tells us about the Lord's compassion. That's in Psalm 103. Let me read it from verses 8 uh, through verses 14. You've heard it before, some of you, others of you, you've not heard it, but it declares the mercy and it declares the compassion of Almighty God. This is what David, the writer, says. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That's mercy. Somebody ought to say amen. It says in verse 11, for as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As high as the heavens are above the earth, his love for those who fear him. That's how great his love is. It goes on in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We serve 
a compassionate God. It says in verse eight, the Lord is compassionate. It says in verse 13 that like a father, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And this is where empathy enters in. Verse 14, listen to this. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. That, my friends, is the embodiment of empathy. Notice the words that are used of human beings but are not true of God. It says that he actually knows and he remembers. It says we are formed. Humans are formed. God's not formed. It says we are dust in verse 14. God's not dust. It says our days are like grass. God is eternal. He doesn't fade away. It says we flourish like a flower in verse 15. It says we come and go. The wind blows and we are gone, verse 16. So we come and go. If God is none of these things, which he's not, we're these things, but God is not, then how can he know us and and have the compassion that he has? And yet the text says he knows that we are dust and he remembers how we were made. These are two amazing qualities of empathy. When you know and when you remember. Empathy says, I know what you're going through. Empathy empathy says, I know who you are. And then I remember what you went through and I remember who you are. Even though God is not dust, even though God was not formed, he remembers that we are and he knows our frailty. He is the embodiment of empathy. But not only do we see his compassion, his empathy, his mercy in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament as well. In fact, why don't you come with me to the New Testament and let's go to Hebrews chapter four and check out what verse 15 says. It says this and I read, for we do not have a high priest who is unable, listen, to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So we know now that God is is a compassionate father, but he's also a compassionate savior. Jesus Christ has come and it says he is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, which means he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus can sympathize with us because he walked in the shoes of our humanity. He knows us and he remembers us. He not only walked in the shoes of our humanity, but he worked as a high priest to build a bridge from our humanity to our eternity. In other words, he walked in our shoes, but he did more than that. He became a high priest to build the bridge from our humanity that he understands because he walked in the same shoes as us. But then he, as a high priest, builds a bridge to heaven from our humanity. Listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews. We were in chapter four. What I want to do is take you back a couple chapters to chapter two. Uh, Hebrews 2.18, listen to what it says. But he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Did you see that? Hebrews 2.18. Let me read it again. Because he himself, speaking of Jesus, suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He remembers what it's like to go through the difficulties of the human experience. 
And where would any of us be if Jesus did not walk in the shoes of humanity? What have we learned so far? We learned that God the Father is a compassionate God, Psalm 103. We learned that Jesus feels sympathy or empathy for us because he has walked in our shoes, Hebrews chapter 4, 15, and Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. So we now know we have a God who is our Father who has compassion. We have a Savior, Jesus, who is sympathetic. Therefore, if this is true, because God is compassionate and Jesus feels that empathy for us, God extends mercy ministry to us and expects us to do the same. I want you to go back with me to Hebrews 4. And in verse 16, it says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's mercy ministry right there. Here's the bottom line. Here's my sermon in a sentence. God's compassionate heart leads to mercy ministry, and ours should too. God's compassionate heart leads to mercy ministry, and ours should too. It says because he can sympathize with our weaknesses, he doesn't just leave us there. He says you can come to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in your time of need. That's mercy ministry. That's saying, not only do I empathize with you, not only do I sympathize with you, not only do I know what it's like to be tempted, not only do I know what it's like to be left alone, not only do I know what it's like to be frustrated and hurt, I know what it's like when people turn on you. I know what it's like when people fail you. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to have yourself stabbed in the back, to have yourself denied and betrayed. I know what it's like when people don't show up for you. I know what it's like, but I'm gonna give you mercy ministry now. Now, what I want you to do when you feel that, you come to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in your time of need. God's compassionate heart leads to mercy ministry, and ours should too. God desires that you and I would engage in mercy ministry. You know, there's a book called Strength Finders 2.0 written by Tom Rath. It's printed by uh, Gallup and it talks about the different strengths that human beings have. And they say, you know, out of 34 themes of strengths, uh, you ought to really be putting 80% of your energy in the top five strengths. And organizations that employ this uh, might call themselves a strength-based organization. And we have done this. I know what my top five strengths are, and many of our employees know what their top five strengths are. And maybe many of you know, because of your job or the church or whatever, what your top five strengths are. If you don't know, uh, you know, just Google it. Get the book, Strength Finders 2.0. Go to the back of it, tear off the perforated edge, take the code there, go online and take a 25-minute uh, test. All right, and what they'll do is they'll send you free your top 34 strengths. Uh, well, they'll send you free your top five strengths out of the 34, and you can email it to anybody that you want, people that you work with, people that you live with. But for me, in my phone, I have the top five strengths of many of the people in my life. And when you talk about the different strengths, there's one known as empathy. What does that mean? That means that some people have this innate ability to be able to feel what others feel. In fact, the way the strength finders define it, they say people exceptionally talented in the empathy theme can sense other people's feeling by imagining themselves in others' lives or situations. Let me give you empathy's simplest definition from the way I understand it. It's three words. Feeling with others. Let me say it again, 
feeling with others. Uh, this is important because, you know, you can feel bad for others or you can feel bad with others. One is sympathy. One is empathy. Empathy is the idea of feeling with. But there are many of you who may not have this natural strength that some people have and others maybe not have it so much. So what am I supposed to do if I don't have the strength? Well, that's not an excuse because as Christians, God expects us to develop mercy ministry, whether it comes natural or not. The more you grow in Christ, the more empathetic you should be. Before Christ, one could be selfish, self-focused, self-absorbed, narcissistic, only out for one's interest, their own interest. But we are told in scripture, that's not the way we're supposed to be as believers. Once you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's God's desire that you become less focused on yourself and more focused on God and others. In Philippians chapter two, verses three and four, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, consider yourselves, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Unfortunately, however, many of us prefer to live in Philippians 2.21, which says this, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. When this is the case, we begin to miss what others are feeling. When we begin to look out after our own interests and we don't think about other people, we miss what other people are dealing with. And hence, we miss the opportunity and often fail to feel with them in areas of pain and suffering and mourning and hurt that they may be feeling. The problem with this is if you continue to be clueless about the pain of other people, you will never have true friends nor will you know what it's like to be one. So would anyone like to know how they could grow in this area of compassion and empathy? I'm going to give you four ways to grow your empathy. Four ways to grow your empathy. Here's the first one. Learn from empathetic people. Learn from empathetic people. People like my wife Amber and her top five strengths, her number one strength is empathy. My daughter, Asia, out of her top five strengths, her fifth strength is empathy. These ladies in my life have been able to just show me what it's like to feel with others. And if you want to learn how to be more empathetic, because maybe it's not in your top five strengths, maybe it's not the way your personality is wired, well, learn from people who are empathic or empathetic. Observe how they respond to you. Observe how they respond to others. Listen to the words that they use. Notice their disposition. There's a woman that works in our church named Angie Wolverton. She is one of our employees who's very empathetic. In fact, her husband, uh, Mike Wolverton, just lost his father last week. And we just want you to know as a family, we're praying for you, Wolvertons, and we love you and we thank God for you. But Angie's very empathetic. She can feel what other people feel, and you know that it's sincere. Another lady is Tracy Tiernan Coiro, one of our ministers at the church. You can tell that she's authentic and really wanting to know how you feel. She can feel what other people are feeling in the room. Now, you don't have to imitate these people. That's not what I'm saying. But learn from their lives. Learn from their, from their love. Learn from the way they connect with people. 
I feel like I'm pretty empathetic myself, not because it's in my top five strengths, but I think ministry moves you in that direction. And I can be pretty uh, well wired when it comes to feeling a sense of what other people in the room are feeling when I'm on and when the Holy Spirit is moving in me. But if I don't have the Holy Spirit knocking on the door and, and saying, you know what, there's somebody in the room that they're not feeling uh, uh, up to par right now, I can sense that when I am more surrendered to the Holy Spirit. But if you wanna learn how to grow your empathy, the first of the four things you can do is learn from people who have it, who are good at it. Here's the second thing, listen for expressive words. Listen for expressive words. When you are in a group or when you were with somebody, listen for expressive words. Feelings, not facts. Feelings, not facts. So when they use words that are expressive, when they use a term, I feel, that is a clue to you that empathy is going to be required. All right? They may say something like, I feel so alone. I feel like no one cares. I feel misunderstood. I feel so frustrated, I feel so angry, I feel lost. When you hear I feel expressive words, take that as a cue that empathy is required. Now this is important because those of us who don't have it as a natural instinct, we may give wrong responses. And we're not very empathetic, we're just pathetic, <laughs> okay? We, we, we hear him say, I feel so alone. And immediately we answer, well, you shouldn't feel alone, I'm here. <laughs> they say, I feel like no one cares. Well, what do you mean, I, I care? I, I feel so misunderstood. Well, I understand you. I feel so frustrated. Well, then do something about it. I feel lost. That doesn't even make sense. Those are the kind of responses that may come from someone who's just missing it or people over spiritualize in their responses. And again, they miss how they can be empathetic with someone because they immediately shift to being to being overly spiritual. So be careful not to overuse spiritual pat answers. Someone says, I feel so lost. And you respond, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Over spiritualized. I feel so alone. But Jesus says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Or I feel like no one cares. Scripture says cast all your cares on him and he'll care for you. First Peter 5, 7. You know, I'm not saying that spiritual answers and biblical answers aren't important. I'm saying that such answers can be very comforting and encouraging when given at the right time in the right way. Maybe it's in a written card or maybe it's doing a prayer. And when you're praying for someone, timing is everything. Then you pray and say, Lord, might you remind uh, my sister? Might you remind my brother? Might you remind this person that you do care for them? You see, that's when you can put scripture in there, when it comes off authentic and not as a spiritual pat answer. When someone's expressing their feelings, maybe the best thing to say, maybe some better responses would be, I'm so sorry. Or, that must be so difficult. Or, do you want to talk about it? Or, I don't know if there's anything that I could say or do, but I'm here. Or, just don't say anything at all. Just be there. I said there are four ways to help grow your, your empathy and 
One of the ways is to, to learn from empathetic people. Another way is to, to listen for expressive words when people are sharing the feelings. Here's a third thing, let go of your expertise. Let go of your expertise. The expert inside of you wants to fix the problem. <laughs> the expert inside of you wants to fix the person. The expert inside of you wants to give answers. The expert inside of me wants to give solutions. The expert inside of us wants to address the issue instead of focus on the individual. And you see, if we're going to be empathetic, there are times we have to let go of our expertise. And in my message on the topic of anger, I said, you know, when you're in a battle with somebody, address the issue, not the individual. But that's because there's conflict between you and someone else. When empathy is required, it's not about conflict. When empathy is required, you focus on the person and not the problem. You focus on the individual and not the issue. If you're fighting fair, focus on the issue, not the person, right? Focus on the cause, not the character assassination. But when we're talking about empathy being required, it's the exact opposite. Focus on the person, not the problem. Focus on the individual, not the issue. And let go of your expertise in that moment. You're not the fix-it person. You're not the solution solver. You're being empathetic. You are being compassionate. Therefore, don't try to be the expert. Limit yourself. Let go of the need to fix the person or the problem if you want to grow in your empathy. Fourth and finally, limit your execution strengths. Now, you may not know what that means, but again, if you'll read the book Strength Finders, if you go to the Gallup website and learn what all these different themes mean, they fall into four big categories, and one of the big categories is execution. These are all the skills and the gifts that many of you have where you are action-oriented to make things happen, all right? You execute, and we need people who have this ability. And then the Gallup Strength Assessment, there are these people who have these skills and these abilities to focus on actions and execute tasks, and, and they have this valuable ability to get things done. People in your family turn to you to get stuff done. People in your organization turn to you to make things happen. But when empathy is required, the values of these strengths need to take a back seat. The value of these strengths need to go behind the scenes. Action's important, but not in the presence of the person who is needing you to be with them and to feel with them. It's more like that story in Luke chapter 10 with Mary and Martha. Remember, Jesus came to the house in verses 34 through 42. And Mary was all busy in the kitchen working and cleaning up and moving pots and pans. And Mary's just sitting in the living room at the feet of Jesus. Martha is, is the one running around. And Martha, who's running around, is almost mad at Mary because Mary should be helping. But Jesus says Mary's doing the one thing that's most important right now. She's, she's being with me. While Martha's running around doing many things, many things, many things, many things, Mary's focused on one thing. Jesus affirms Mary. Martha's executing tasks while Jesus is visiting. Mary was present, sitting at Jesus' feet. Ask yourself the question, what is required of me right now? My inner Mary or my inner Martha? 
This is going to help you when you know that you're trying to relate to someone who needs you to be with them. Ask yourself, what's required of me right now? My inner Mary or my inner Martha? If it's my inner Mary, then what I need to focus on is being present. If it's my inner Martha, then I can focus on being productive. When you need productivity, you need Martha. When you need presence, you need Mary. And all of us have some Mary in us. All of us have some Martha in us. The problem is when we get the priority mixed up. When we're supposed to be present, we're trying to be productive. And when we're supposed to be productive, we're sitting around too long being present beyond the moment. And so part of being empathetic is knowing when that empathy is supposed to step forward and my my execution skills are supposed to sit back and when I need to get up and start executing because you can be empathetic so long that it can actually overwhelm you because you are feeling the feelings of other people and you are feeling your own feelings and you get flooded with emotions to the point that you can't do anything. And that's what happens when you get overwhelmed with your feelings and other people's feelings as well. We've said that God is compassionate. We said that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. And we also said that God expects us to extend empathy and mercy to others. We said that four ways to grow your empathy is to learn from empathetic people and to express, to uh, listen to expressive words, to let go of your expertise and to limit your execution strengths. But a word of balance for those of you who, can I say, too empathetic? Maybe that's not really a a thing. But you can be so empathetic that you become empathetic. And when you're empathetic, your emotions take over from the inside out. You begin to wear other people's problems. You lose boundary lines where you no longer know uh, what is in your lane and what's not in your lane emotionally. And you can get in and live in your feelings and in the feelings of others to such a degree that you become immobilized, overwhelmed, empathetic. Listen, you cannot own other people's feelings. Can I give you some bonus thoughts? Feel them, but don't own them. Feel them, but don't own them. They are not your feelings to own. Share them, but don't bear them. Unless you are specifically called by God to shoulder that burden with someone else in your life, share the burden, but don't wear the burden. And don't even bear the burden unless God calls you to bear one another's burdens in a specific situations because you can't carry all the burdens of the world and you're not the savior that can carry the burdens of the world. You can shoulder a part of someone else's burdens and you can bear some with them as the scriptures tell us to help carry and bear the burdens, but that's not forever. You're only supposed to carry your own cross, not other people's cross. Jesus carried his own cross and you have a cross you have to carry. And you can help other people with their burdens. And you can help other people when they fall along the wayside. But your life calling, unless God says it to you, is not to carry your burdens and their burdens for the rest of your life. And so being empathetic doesn't mean losing all your boundary lines to the point that you're empathetic. 
Just because we're called to pray doesn't mean we're called to pay. When someone says, will you pray for me because I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z? Yes, I will pray. But it doesn't mean that I'm called to pay. Now, again, if God specifically says, no, I want you to give to this situation. I want you to help this person with this situation or scenario. I have blessed you with something that you can bless them with. Different story. But what some people don't have are boundary lines. So every time someone asks them to pray for something, they feel stressed because they feel like they have to solve the problem. Someone with this empathetic strength, if they're not careful, they they go beyond feeling something to feeling responsible for something. There's a difference between feeling something and feeling responsible for that something. I can feel your pain but I can't heal your pain. So therefore, it's important for me to feel with you, but also it's important for you to go to God because he's the only one that can heal you. I can't be your therapist. I can't be your counselor. I can be your friend. A friend loves at all times. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. Don't turn your friendships into counseling sessions and therapy sessions or you're not going to have friends for long because after three or four times, they're like, I don't have the emotional energy to be with you. They may not say that to you, but when they're not taking your call, and they duck you in the aisle four, then you'll know that you have put so much on them that every time you're with them, they feel like they have to be your counselor or your therapist and they're not qualified for it. Hmm. I'm preaching because I'm helping you to embrace the emotions that you have, to walk with other people that have their emotions and to be empathetic with them without carrying it to bed with you. And you've got to learn how to turn it off and turn it over to Jesus. And trust that while you're sleeping, Jesus is still working. Trust that while you're sleeping, Jesus is still healing. Trust that while you're sleeping, Jesus is still performing miracles. He's working it out for them. He's the savior. You're not. And that's what helps you sleep. You can't sleep because you're too focused on you, your feelings, and you're carrying all their stuff as well. And Jesus is saying, if you don't give that thing over to me, that thing is going to burden you to such a degree. You're not going to be able to get up in the morning and you'll be so depressed because you're so weighted. Give your burdens over to the Lord Jesus says, you who are weak and weary and heavy laden, let me give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Be empathetic, but don't be pathetic. What have we said? Let me just end it with this sermon in a sentence like I gave you earlier. God's compassionate heart leads to mercy ministry. Ours should too. The greatest mercy that God has had was that he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him and would not perish but have everlasting life. God has empathized with you because he knows that hell is full of grief, full of regret, grumbling and gnashing of teeth. He hates being separated from you. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, the best thing you can do is invite Christ to come into your life. Like Jackson did on the radio last Friday. He prayed right there with me on the radio. You can look at it on my Facebook page. He prayed and he invited Jesus to come into his life with tears in his eyes. 
He felt so much better afterwards. He's even called since. We've turned him over to our discipleship ministry and asked him to follow up with them. But Jackson prayed and said, Jesus, come into my life. Maybe you should do the same. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, just say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for feeling my pain, my sins, my hurt. Thank you for dying on that cross for me and rising again from the dead. God, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.